This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Everything Elite, the world's best, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to all elite wrestling and the elite extended universe. This is AB, and that wasn't a glitch. I just wanted to repeat myself. Uh, I'm joined here by, I'm going to go with ooh, Nate, aka Epitasis. What's up, Nate? What's up? It's me, Epitasis. Uh, I, th- I think it's gone to me a few times in a row here. I Fuck. think. We'll have to throw it to the Discord to get the actual stats on that. I'm so um, glad that. That's all right. I uh, I don't mind. I'm, I'll step up to the plate, and I will respond to your introduction first. Here I am. Uh, we're in the deep thaw now. Uh, we've been pretty much iced over for like two weeks, but everything's finally melting. Uh, how are things going in your neck of the woods? Well, uh, it's warmed up a little bit. Mike and I talked about this a little in light this morning. I... I... Uh, took the dogs on a walk in just a long sleeve t-shirt. Mm. Very nice. Really delightful. I did. There was a tweet that was like, I pity Los Angeles people that will never know the joy of it being 40 <laughs> degrees and it feeling like it's 70 degrees because it's been 20 degrees for three weeks. Yeah, it felt so good today. So that was nice. I don't know whether I would give that up for it to just be warm all the time. Probably because I hate the cold. You know, I hate I hated the cold. Well, I hate the cold. I made the decision to go to school in Miami primarily because I hated the cold. At some point, I got the idiot idea in my mind that I missed seasons and I came uh, back into the cold rather than coming out of the cold. I came back into the cold. Uh, and now I'm just like, oh, that was a mistake. I regret that. I should have stayed in the tropical climate. Uh, yes, that would have been the appropriate move, frankly, but... You know, we make choices, uh, and then we have to live with the consequences. So here we are. Uh, we're also joined by Mike Spears. What consequences are you living with today, Mike? Oh, I mean, <laughs> the everyday pleasures of life, man. I mean, just like my just daily existential crises, waking up going, oh, this again, you know. And just, you know, I just try and keeping on, keeping on, you know. Uh I, hey y'all, it's your old pal, Mike Spears. Make sure I want to say that out of the way. Got to get the catchphrase in there. I get called out when I don't do the catchphrase. I do. You I did. Do. You did tell me at one point that it was not a catchphrase you were trying to get over. That did happen. I was like, Mike, why are you lying to me? <laughs> I, I mean, it, it kind of happened, but you know, it, it's something that like it is pleasant now in the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains. So, but but I'm totally with you, Nate. Like. I lived for a good while in North Carolina, and that was about as north as I could handle. You know, like, I have my own internal beacon of where I can go, like, no, not enough sunlight and cold's going to make me have sad brain all the time. So, I could handle just about, I can probably live in, uh, what's the town they always build up? 
Adam Page from that's on the North Carolina Virginia border. Boone's Creek Aaron, or something. Aaron, Aaron's, Aaron's Crossing. Boone's Crossing. Aaron's, Aaron's Creek. Aaron's Creek. Aaron's, Aaron's Creek. Creek. Oh, it, it, we got there. I could probably live there because that's right on the North Carolina Virginia border. But I can't do much more of that. I'm a big old wuss. So yeah, like the tropical climbs. Though I have to say, I do not miss having basically ten months of ninety degree weather with ninety percent humidity. Yeah, I think I think I do miss it. I think I just do. You, you think do. that now? Well, miss you, it. I've never had it. So, <laughs> Aaron, you would thrive my, in Miami. My, you would my, thrive. Mm. Uh, let's be honest. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Let's break this down. Why <laughs> would I honest. not thrive in Miami? Okay, I will. I will break this down. Let's be honest. The three of us will not thrive anywhere. <laughs> we will. We will get by. We will do fine. Tolerate. <laughs> we will. Yeah, we will tolerate our circumstances. There is no climate that is going to magically make <laughs> any one of us thrive. Okay, I take back uh, my previous annoyance at your uh, reaction. Uh, you're you're frankly right. I can't say anything else about it. <laughs> I, I I mean, like we, we hear about this majestical place called San Diego that's like seventy degrees all the time. But then, like I think about it, I'm like, you know what? No, I'd be miserable because I'd find some something small, like in perceived slight, would drive me insane. Right, like we are a bunch that like nothing. Like we live in a world and a society that nothing is ever good enough, and something will eventually like make us miserable. Right, like like that's just yeah. the human condition. I mean, the well, the real answer is you just have to be you know obscenely wealthy enough where you can pick your climate at the time of the year and jump from one to the other one. That's yes. that's the real solution. Just go. Oh, I'm going to spend this summer or I'm going to spend this winter in in San Diego, and then come back to wherever. That's why I'm getting into top shot. You know, I'm gonna make yeah. my millions through Top Shot. You know, become an eccentric. I, I feel like I'd be a great eccentric millionaire. You know, I have the energy for it. Yeah, I'm, I'm also on the Top Shot retirement plan. Uh, didn't go great today, but I'm crossing my fingers for tomorrow. I missed out on uh, GameStop. I missed out on Bitcoin, I guess, uh, and I'm missing out on Top Shot now. I've just missed out on everything. Hey, there's always tomorrow for Top Shot. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm just I've given it. I'm I'm just gonna have to work for the rest of my life. Mm. Yeah, sounds awful, doesn't it? <laughs> All right. Well, um, if you want to hear more of our musings about uh, climates and our relative uh, thriving, you can follow us on Twitter at everything AEW. I'm at Aaron like the car. Nate's at Epitasis. Mike's at Fuji. Hey ya! Subscribe to the podcast, please. Uh, if you subscribe using the Apple Podcast app, give us a five-star rating and a review. Tell a friend about the show. And if you want to support the show, the best possible way to do so is to head over to patreon.com slash everything elite and subscribe. Uh, some some late month subscribers trickling in this month. So welcome, friends. Uh, we're happy to have you join, including I know we've had at least one new in the past few days, one new uh, green team member. So they they could be listening live right now as we record. So welcome. Um, we didn't discuss this before the show, but when are we going to talk about, uh, the motherfucking big show, Paul White? I mean, when is that coming up in this, in this You episode? mean the big nasty? <laughs> the big nasty, yes. Uh, I'm fine. You know what? I'll, I'll, I'll say that I'm fine to do it right now. All right, let's do it. Let's talk okay. big show first. It rules. Well, I guess we should say, AEW has announced that they've signed, uh, FKA, the big show, Paul White, to a long-term deal, he will be uh, announcing, commentating on a new YouTube show <clears throat> called AEW Dark Elevation. Very unclear how it's different from AEW Dark, but supposedly we'll find out. They announced Tony Schiavone will be joining him. 
but as Tony Khan has made very clear, uh, Paul White also has a wrestling license <laughs> and will be wrestling in AEW. So, uh, reactions. Yeah, I was more, I became more excited about this than I really ever would have expected that I would be. You know, I, I probably had not thought about the big show um, since, I don't know, WrestleMania 30 was probably the last time that I, the mm. big show had any sort of real estate in my mind. Uh, but as we saw, I think a lot of the reactions online today to the big show signing, um, a lot of the, you know, meltdowns about the big show signing and just really came to grasp the full picture of what it means that the big show is like, no, I don't, I don't need Vince to be my, uh, you know, forever daddy and, and have my little legends retirement plan with him. I can leave because Vince didn't make me and I can go sign with Tony and go to the spiritual successor to WCW. Uh, and have fun there and, you know, do stuff with uh, Tony Schiavone. So I'm pretty interested to see what that looks like. Uh, I expect that he will be booked better than he ever has been in his career. Uh, you know, I'm not like especially enthused to see him wrestle, but it'll be fun to see, you know, a little big show and Brian Cage stare down or big show and Luchasaurus showdown or whatever it is. So. Yeah, I kind I kind of came around to it, uh, and and chalked it up as a a sizable AWW. It's something where it this came in waves, right? Like I feel like everyone's reaction first it was like, "What the hell?" Because we literally, Aaron, I just posted the episode of AEW Light on Patreon right as the PR message came into my email box. I immediately try to copy and paste it on Twitter to try to beat people, but instead I beat people talking about the stairs match rematch and the Go Big Show vibes. But uh, and and then I kind of sat down, and other than the uh, holy crap, this is kind of wild. This is happening. The more I started thinking about this, the more that in we have seen at least through other legends that have come through with the section of one that we will probably talk about later on who finally like did something really rad tonight they've been smart about how they've handled these older wrestling figures especially wrestling figures who are up there and their heyday was more than 20 years ago but i'm really enthused for several reasons i was actually in a pretty in-depth conversation with my brother friend of the show drew uh, about how this is the guy that should have been a star of epic proportions no height joke there intended for vince mcmahon for like the last 20 years because the one thing that both vince and his dad were good at was understanding how to use andre the giant and the idea about andre the giant is you don't have him stick in one place you have him beat up a bunch of people then you send him around he's an attraction and you go send him to hollywood that could have very easily have happened with Paul White, but that did not happen here. And it's something that's like coming in and it makes me a little bit sad that like this is going to be his retirement gig because it's something that like you watch and you're like, this is a guy who like really should be like someone that like when someone beat him at the tail end of his tenure in WWE, it should have been a big thing in giving someone rub. But ultimately he was booked to hell and there were a lot of other things that kind of discouraged that. But I, I think that everyone will be pleasantly pleased, at least with him as a figure, because he's a funny guy. 
Like, he's a charismatic, funny guy. He seems to be a pretty decent dude. He's someone that, you know, he was at one point, like, really hooked up to, like, the happy Madison people. And, like, he was looked like that could have been like that, but then WWE kind of get him down there. So I think it could be pleasant. I, I will say that two things, uh, closing out my thoughts on this, other than, haha, this probably made Vince McMahon really angry, which is funny. But I don't know how much rub one can get off someone who's been utterly destroyed for the last 20 years in booking in WWE and someone who, you know, he is someone that is a larger guy and had like major health issues that they had to fix for his life. Like he had to get the pituitary gland fixed up there, but I don't know how much cachet you're really going to get off people beating him now. But on the other hand, I want to announce something. The ward throw now has a master's seniors division. And guess who's going to be our first interest in this. It's going to be the big nasty Paul white. And I'm excited to see how far he could possibly throw Marco's son across the stage. So those are my those are my long winded rant about that. Sorry. I hate to uh, make it a trifecta, but I too am pleased with the <laughs> Paul White signing in AEW, and it's not because, uh, as everyone else says, I'm not like, oh fuck, I can't wait to see you know the Big Show wrestling again and that shitty um, jumper that he wears or whatever. But oh, wow, I know. But I was. Uh, I think about it from this perspective. I, th- I think there's two reasons that it's really important that they signed Paul White. One, it's really important to uh, AEW as like an alternative or like a competitor to WWE because it signals to Turner, to other business partners that this is like a real thing. It's another example of someone who is willing to, you know, he could have made whatever money he wanted, I'm sure in WWE, but he's willing to risk that, uh, which indicates that it's not a risk to come over to AW. So I think that's important from a business perspective, but I also think it's important, important from a talent perspective. This signals to other wrestlers who either are in WWE and want to get out or are up and coming wrestlers trying to figure out uh, where they should go. That AW is a stable place. If these guys, if Paul White, if Sting, even if you think about, you know, Arn Anderson jumping over or Jerry Lynn or those kind of people, you know, it's like, okay, this is a real thing. It's going to be around for uh, many years. And so I think it's important that they can hook a guy in like that who did feel like a WWE lifer who, yes, started in WCW, but had been in the Fed for uh, for 20 plus years. Uh, I think it's an important signal to all of those stakeholders uh, in wrestling. Yeah, uh, you know, he's kind of an interesting guy to play what if with um because he you know very well could have been an andre the giant figure for 30 plus years for the wwe but it's also kind of hard to do because they fucking botched it like his second week in the company or whatever so it's like that die has long been cast but he also does have value because he's probably had his hands tied a little bit in terms of other media opportunities which we've seen that aw just doesn't do um the guy loves Destiny, uh, so he's going to have a Twitch channel, and he's going to have eyeballs on there to you know, uh, uh, be like, oh, yeah, I'm the big show. I'm very famous wrestling legend. I work for AEW, and here's me being personable on my channel or whatever. And, you know, he had a Netflix series. He's been in movies. He's, I think, in the top tier of actors as far as in the wrestling business and being able to, you know, have a have a respectable range in a, any kind of role. So. You know, you can see him going out for 
more roles and catching on places and being like, oh yeah, that's that. Hey shit, the Big Show showed up as a little bit part in whatever Netflix movie I'm watching. What's he doing now? Oh, he's in AW. So yeah, I, I, very very few drawbacks here, I think. All right. Well, that's those are our Paul White takes. Uh, like I said, he's going to be on Elevation starting on March fifteenth. I'm sure we'll be talking about that over at the Everything Elite Patreon in some way or another. I think Ogan volunteered to do some Patreon coverage of of Elevation. So we'll see. Um, we'll see what happens. Okay, Elite or Delete time. Nate, what was uh, what was your favorite thing from the show this week? A uh, pretty clear choice for me this week. Uh, pretty thankful once again to be in the number one spot because I can pick the easy one and then leave you guys to flounder. Uh, the Sting, Darby Allen, Team Taz segment on this show was, I think, far and away the best thing, the most exciting thing, the only thing that really like lit a fire in me. I was like, yeah, pro fucking wrestling is happening. This shit is awesome. Um was just, you know, I, I had very low expectations. Talk about expectations a lot on this show. So that, that might have contributed to it. Uh, but, you know, Team Taz has an overlong wrestling match. Uh, and we're promised that Sting is going to make his presence known as he does week after week. They have a improbably tonally perfect video where Sting drives out into the desert, finds Darby Allen in his body bag, and Darby Allen sits up smiling with his belt. Uh, and it's got like this jaunty waltz behind it playing. It's totally different than anything you'd else you'd see in pro wrestling, but just played perfectly for me for whatever reason. Uh, and it was very short and to the point. It's like, hey, here's what's happening. We're catching you up. Then Sting comes out with hook in the body bag, which was a big pop for me. I was all ready for that to be like, oh, well, we, we just saw him get Darby out of the body bag. So is this going to be a Darby again? Because that's kind of lame. No, it wasn't. It was fucking hook. Uh, and then, of course, the massive cherry on top. Darby Allen coming down from a zip line, looked great, had velocity with the skateboard, zooming from the rafters all the way into the ring. Um, this was like, this really, I think, sold me on, oh, this is this is going to work. They're going to make Darby Allen the next Sting, uh, and he's going to be a big superstar for it. And, like, it's not just, like, Sting giving him his little endorsement. It's like, no, it's like Darby Allen is inheriting that whole shit. Uh, and this was very fucking exciting to me. Yeah, I was hooting and hollering, which is better than standing and pacing because I actually verbally exclaimed when they had uh, Hook come out of the body bag and then Darby slide down. And like that, this was the person that I was alluding to about how they handled their legends. And this made it somewhat worthwhile the last few weeks. You know, the all the uh, shouting at each other and, you know, people of Team Taz being afraid of the snow and just, like, the general just, like, apathy that that feud had. And it instantly just kicked it up in, like, the right kind of way. And it just was something also awesome to see Sting, almost 60 years old, someone who suffered spinal stenosis because of that turnbuckle bomb. And spinal spinosis is something that, at least at the time, everyone was like, oh, you can't do anything now. You have spinal spinosis. But he looked great here. Uh, Darby, like, came off like a star, as Nate alluded to. And it was, like, a nice way to kind of tie everyone together and to have, like, the added stakes. And now I'm excited for next week when Taz is just going to cut a blistering promo about hurting his baby boy hook. 
And, you know, I think that it provided the right fuel to the fire at a point that this feud really kind of needed it. And now I'm really stoked for this match on the pay-per-view. I think that it's something that now that we've seen Sting do some sort of aggression and physicality and other than like taking the power bomb now we know it's like oh sting is sting is good like we shouldn't like watch this going like oh because you know sometimes you watch like match with older wrestlers and you're like no you shouldn't be doing this like you like then it takes you out of it because you start getting concerned your, your overriding thought isn't the match is about their well-being i don't have that anymore sting so i i think that this is awesome and you know it's just a this was a win across the board, and yeah, Nate, you had the easy pick because this was the best thing on the show by far. Yeah, I mean, what, what else can I say? It was great, very good. I was excited. Um, <laughs> I think I, I think I smashed exclamation points at the Discord uh, as it was happening. So it was, it was good. I did also like Taz, uh, you know, giving some breadcrumbs, setting the scene a little. It's like, oh, you know, hooks out waiting in the parking lot for us to go party or just go get some drinks after the show or whatever and just added yeah you know yeah we hang out in the parking lot a lot because we're not really welcome in the locker room it's like oh great you set the stage perfectly now we know why hook's not here now we know why you have done 15 fucking promos from the parking lot just a little bit of justification goes a long way all right uh little nasty mike uh what's what's your elite pick for the <laughs> week <laughs> that, i don't think that's gonna stick man <laughs> i try Take something it. basically I, every I, week I, I, yeah it seemed to be the one that was uh the least uh uh offensive i guess <laughs> right of, of yeah the ones you've tried <laughs> yeah 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 i mean you're still chasing a slider outside there but at least this time you, you had a good cut at it but you know uh it's something that I've been talking about a lot recently, but Ray Fenix is the wrestler of the year in 2021. And we now already have his title match he had against uh, Kenny Omega, which was incredible. And then we had this really fun match with Lance Archer where they just went after it. And, you know, this match not only is Ray Phoenix being awesome, but again another guy that like he was having like health issues and had to have like the back surgery and everything and lance archer just being game for everything i mean the fact that they did a standing avalanche spanish fly and it's just like that's that should not be happening that that makes no sense like cognitive sense to me and this match like it was something where phoenix has the ability and there's not very many wrestlers that do this to me anymore to like make me get invested and want to see this guy win because he's just such an outstanding performer and each time that he like comes up short and it, it makes me want uh want so badly from have like the big singles win and it's something that like this match was stiff it was brutal like both guys had welts on them coming out of this thing like lance archer i don't know what happened but he had a welt on his rib cage immediately so it was a great main event on a show that I feel like the wrestling, like we had two squash matches on this tape show and it needed something like this really to kind of tie the show together. And, you know, having a completely insane main event, you know, left me with a smile on my face and makes me sad that Ray Phoenix is not going to get his big shot when he's the best wrestler in the world, 2021 and he deserves it. Yeah, it was kind of my, uh, well, I mean, Ray Phoenix is great. I he's probably been my elite for like two or three of the last four weeks or something. I don't know. Um, I kind of this this match just could not hook me and did not hook me um, because 
I know I did come on the show and was like, yeah, you know, I don't, uh, I don't really watch wrestling just because I'm rooting for my favorites to win. Uh, maybe that's just not true for Ray Phoenix. Uh, <laughs> it, it might especially apply because he does go out and fucking kill himself in these matches to make them work. He did that here, you know, taking uh, all these wild bumps and, you know, diving in high speed and doing all of this. Uh, and it just, uh, I don't know, I was really just very early on in the match. I'm like, oh, there's no way Ray Phoenix is winning this. Lance Archer is winning this for sure. Uh, and it took me out of the match and I was just kind of, oh, okay, I, I know what happens here. They just don't have Ray Phoenix at that level. Um, and if they're not going to put him at that level, then I'm not going to get invested in this. As some people, I, okay. So when the, before the match started, I was like, Hmm, I wonder who's going to win this match. Like it felt like two guys. It's like, you really don't want either of them to lose. At least I didn't want either of them to lose. Well, they just beat Ray Phoenix in that six man. Like they beat Ray oh, Phoenix like, like a drum. Gallows pin him in, in that. That's true. Yeah, they beat him like a drum. Uh, and, and I was just as soon as that, I'm like, no, he's going to lose for sure. <laughs> That's true, I guess. Although when I said that in the Discord, everybody was like, oh, Phoenix is winning. You know, like, why would you have a ladder match without Phoenix? Which I think is true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you do also want big guys to catch and shit. Right. But now what do you do with Phoenix in the pay-per-view? Probably nothing. Or put him yeah. in the... I guess he's not in the the uh, additional tag team battle royal because his partner's in the... I don't know. Maybe you could tag with Pac. That'd be okay. But I yeah. guess. Yeah. I mean, that'd be a I good mean, tag team. But, it but is, yeah. I, I can't get too mad about him not winning this match because he wasn't going to win the ladder match either. So... <laughs> Go on, Eric. Oh, I mean, yeah. You No, you nailed it. Uh, Phoenix is good. Phoenix booking is bad. <laughs> I agree. Um, my Ely pick of the week, folks, it's Papa Buck. I just don't see how I could pick anything else. Uh, even if I'd gone first, I think I would have picked Papa <laughs> Buck. Uh, the man uh, bled for his art, first of all. And if that wasn't good enough, so, you know, the, the thing was Jericho and MJF had taken him out backstage. He's got blood all over his face. And if that wasn't good enough, they throw him into the truck with the picture of the Bucks on the back. And he just perfectly smears blood down both of their faces <laughs> oh and then the uh, raw posted this in the discord but the look on his face when they load him into the ambulance uh, just a great performance from papa buck um outshining chris jericho again uh, he's <laughs> he's just excellent yeah uh <laughs> love papa buck love his songs love his shirts uh, he's everything that Chris Jericho wishes he could be. Yeah, and he's it all makes sense because he's uh, truly be blessed and highly favored. So, I mean, it's all working out for Papa Buck. It's just so funny, like, the way that, like, he crumpled. Because like, it wasn't just like that he was thrown into it, he bounced off it. He slid, he got thrown into both the doors, and he made sure to, like, make as much contact as possible and then slide down the back of the truck and just leaving the what looked like it was fake blood like i don't think pop-up blah buck gig uh, for this yeah no it was for sure fake blood it, <laughs> it might have been watered down ketchup it looked uh exactly like the fake blade jobs that matt jackson was doing on bte for a while where the whole yeah. point was how terrible they looked because he kept blading to get out of things um but that kind of just made it funnier to me and made me enjoy it more no it was, yeah. it was definitely real just for the record i mean it's real to you damn it
<laughs> but yeah, it, it, it's so funny. Like the face that he made was like a, I'm going to try to make this on camera. I'm probably going to get this really wrong, but I'm just doing this to pop Aaron and Nate. It was like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, need, you, need, you need your eyes to, to roll back in your head more, but not yeah. really. Like you're trying yeah, to, like, but it's not really working. Yeah. <laughs> it it was love, tremendous. Would love to see Mike gig on the uh, podcast recording just to pop us. That'd be funny. <laughs> I, I mean, just like, I, I have enough forehead. I could really start dusting it up. You know, <laughs> I, I think that'd be a great look for me. Just going, I mean, as I'm slowly going insane, right? Like we all acknowledge I'm slightly going crazy by the week. Like the next thing, next step is me just gigging on air. Yeah, I think I think that'd be good for you. I, I, I know Murder well, Brian I, wants a gig on stage show. Let's make it a, a Patreon reward here, guys. Come on, don't, don't, don't give away the goods. You're get, right. get, get us to a hundo, and then and then I'll drive up to uh, Kentucky so Aaron can cash in his punch in my neck for talking about the the Hall of Fame, and then I immediately gig yeah. off that. That that's it. Yeah, that'd be good. I think. Um, you know, Nate, you talked about uh, you know Paul White, this big uh, good actor could get some more roles. I'm talking Papa Buck. I want to see Papa Buck on Netflix, baby. Uh, I mean, that's that's well, that's all well and good, but that's not his true passion. His true passion, obviously, is music. Maybe on the yeah on the Sound Exploder show, he could be on there, and they could break down Warriors Cry, or one of his other great tunes. Um, I, I just I just don't think acting is his passion. That's fair. Our listener elite, Thoros, all the non-wrestling segments. Uh, I think he nails it here because usually we come on here and complain that the non-wrestling segments were bad, but the wrestling is good. But it was kind of inverted a little bit this week. All right, let's talk about uh, the bad stuff on the show. There wasn't much. Um, Nate, you got something deeper? I I've listed one thing on the notes. You got uh, something? Yeah, I got something. I haven't looked at the notes, so maybe this is the one thing that you do have there. Uh, but I'm just going to be, I'm going to be, uh, brave enough to say it's too much wrestling on this show. I want less wrestling. Wow. I'm, I'm tired of wrestling. Uh, the matches are too long. Uh, I want less wrestling. I want more hijinks and spectacles. Uh, and more I don't vlogs. Know, more vlogs would be great. I just, I don't know who I have to talk to, uh, to, to get all this professional wrestling off my professional wrestling program because there's too much of it. Uh, I think it's that. The, I mean, number one, my attention span is just not good enough. You know, I'm on Twitter during the show because we got a Twitter account for the show. So I'm looking at that. The matches are going on. Every match is, you know, <laughs> too competitive. Every match is, uh, you know, charitably two minutes too long. More accurately, probably like seven minutes too long. Uh, and, you know, it's a lot of people that we see week in and week out when there are other people that I find interesting that we don't see very often at all. And just, you know, cut some fucking fluff from the matches and give me one or two other segments with one or two other people to see if they can, you know, catch hold of something and do something interesting with the time. Um, Cause I'm tired of the, I'm tired of the pro wrestling. And to be honest, the wrestling on this show, even though I seems like I like the main event more than y'all did. You started off with a, John Moxley versus Ryan Nimeth match that should have been kick paradigm shift and we're out of here. And then we had Varsity Blondes versus Cage and Starks where Varsity Blondes got an incredible amount of offense and that kind of went on, you know, that went in through a break. Uh, Brandon Cutler and Jake Hager, they could have just like had this been a beat down in the back and then we see Papa Bucko flying into the uh, the um, merch truck. Like we didn't need that as a match there to be quite honest. Him and Page versus Isaiah Cassie, 
I liked it, but you know, it was a little long and I know that some people thought that this match, like Isaiah Cassidy, was way too much on offense and they think that Adam Page should be a, a bigger star. Uh, Rip Baker versus Nyla Rose, I felt like actually was like the length that that match should be and the same with the main event, but I just listed reasons why those first four matches could have been something different. So I do see your point here, Nate, even though if you had it your way, it would just be 120 minutes of goof spits and, <laughs> you know, vlogs. Yeah, travel logs. Um, yeah, but I mean, you, you, you cut that. Even if you just trimmed the squashes, even if you just trimmed the Hager match and the Moxley match, uh, and I, I guess the Varsity Blondes, man, I guess they're just a competitive tag team in, on this, in this promotion. Um, but you could you, trim. I mean, I've said this on the show 40 times, probably just trim them a little and then you can fit an entire another match in there. Uh, and you know what comes with an entire another match is uh, entrances, ring announcements, uh, you know, hand raising at the end, all of that stuff. The stuff that isn't wrestling, I would like to see more. So <laughs> I'm being I'm being accused of pivoting to the Russo brand in the chat here. It's not a pivot. This has always been the position that I have uh, that I've held on this show. That's why I recap the vlogs because there's no wrestling on them. That's what, well, they're going to be real mad because I'm going to be castrating the marks here in a few minutes. <laughs> so, Mike, buddy, what was your least favorite thing on this show? I mean, I kind of alluded to it, but having like two squash matches and the way that they've kind of like set things up because this was a tape show, but like you had you constantly came back to breaks showing what just happened on TV, which that's fine to do it like once or twice, but I felt like they were doing that like. Every break after a match, they were doing like, this just happened. And we're like, okay, that's taped. And it's just like the thing with the, the tape shows, it's not that they're bad. In a lot of ways, the tape shows like let them kind of like trim out what's not needed and, you know, make sure that everyone knows that is an exploding barbed wire match, not exploding bat barbed wire match. Like they would, they make sure you're able to get over that point of it. But it's just something where like, the vibe of the show, especially with how it was taped and the, the crowd mix is always something that you can't hear, like the ring, like moves in the ring. You can't hear commentary sometimes. It just was like, it did not, like when I take this as a whole, did not really feel as much like two hours of primetime major league wrestling in a way. So uh, if, if I can point to one, uh, one possible culprit, I, the sound mixing is always <laughs> pretty rough in this promotion. Oh, it's always bad on uh, TV. On, yeah, on the pre-tape shows, the crowd is always way too high in the mix, but was exacerbated on this show especially because JR just had no energy whatsoever. JR was falling asleep. Um, don't know. Excalibur was doing his usual uh, uh, the valiant effort, but JR just, I, I don't, just felt like he didn't have anything left on this. And, and was I the only one who noticed that there was a lot of ADR with Excalibur on the show, like it's very clear when like they do and they interject things on commentary. And there's a lot of that from both him and Tony Schiavone on this. Yeah. I, I mean, I hear that on uh, all the pre-tape shows. I, there's usually at least one or two of those that jump out at me, but yeah, I was, that was all over the show too. Yeah. I don't know. I think I just tune out. I think I'm just kind of the point where I don't hear the commentary very much. So I just, miss out on all that and, and, and i admit like i'm a production-minded person so i pick up on things that are going to bug me more so than others but this felt like a very kind of sloppy tv show in a oh, way the, the mix always irritates the hell out of me i mean it's just like as you said especially on these tape shows it's just too loud it's insane especially when 
you know, Griff Garrison's, or it might've been Brian Pilmo. One of them is getting back in the ring and the camera pans around and it's like, okay, there's nobody here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we all know there's nobody here. I, yeah, I understand yeah. you want to sweeten the noise. And like that. I appreciate that. That's fine. Probably makes it a little less uh, weird, but yeah, they, they definitely overdo it. All right. Uh, my delete pick. I mean, I'm cheating here, but what I want to delete is the the content strategy around this women's tournament. All right, let's go, let's go. That's what I'm deleting. I'm tired. I'm gonna. I'm castrating the marks here. I'm tired <laughs> of this nonsense. That like, oh, actually, this is a brilliant business decision uh, made by one Tony Khan, just you know, hitting all the right buttons because nothing that. Tony Khan has said publicly or has been laundered for Tony Khan actually makes sense. Actually is logical. Okay. Let's talk about it. The first point. Okay. They kind of, they, maybe they got this thrown on them. I don't know, but they've decided they really want to make this bleacher report thing happen, which by the way, we've never heard about before. <laughs> they really want to make this bleacherreport.com thing happen. And they think Riho versus Thunder Rosa is a drawing match. So they think people are going to come to watch that match. How many times have we talked about that AEW's main money is on TV? If they have a drawing match, they need to put it on TV to draw a number. Also, if they thought these two women could draw people, they would put them on TV more. So, no, I don't buy that. Plus, Tony Khan had an interview with uh, Mike Johnson from PW Insider this week, and he said they wanted to get more people watching Dark. So what did they do? They put John Moxley, Pac, and Orange Cassidy on Dark in consecutive weeks. And did that work? Yes, it did. Because those are the people they've built up as big stars on their TV. Riho hasn't been on TV for 11 months until last week. Thunder Rosa is very rarely on TV. The idea that they're like, actually, we've got these very, you know, they pop this one quarter hour. So suddenly these are big stars. Tony Khan believes you are stupid enough to believe that. (laughs) He thinks you're dumb enough to buy into that. All right, the second point that they're making, Nate, I'm going to let you tell me why you think I'm wrong on all these, but let me hit my... my You you know I agree with you, so I don't know why you assume I'm going to do this. Just, I just want to get my shit in, okay? So the second (laughs) one is that they want to condition the fans to watch on Sunday. And again, in this PW Insider interview, Tony Khan said they want to condition their hardcore fans to watch on Sunday on this Bleacher Report thing. Okay, well, first of all, your hardcore fans are already watching. You don't have to condition your hardcore fans to do anything. It's the exact same number of buyers that you've had on every other pay-per-view are going to be on this one. (laughs) Exactly. But if you think your hardcore fans are really into seeing Riho versus Thunder Rosa, put it on TV where your money is. Do that. And it also, so it doesn't explain why they wouldn't reward them by putting them on TV more, but if you're trying to condition people to do something, why are you conditioning them to go to bleacherreport.com when the next Sunday you want to you want them to go to the BR Live app? It's just going to add more confusion. This is these two things are not going to be in the same place. Uh, and then you're putting this whole tournament on a hundred different nights. Cubs fan had the big tweet that went around about there's for like five different nights they were going to have shows on. Most people don't want to skip around. And most people don't want to watch wrestling five nights a week, by the way, and they don't want to have to find all these different ways to see it. So the the big thing was 
Some people view this as a demotion, but it's not. Of course it's a fucking demotion. Are you kidding me? Where were the men's title eliminator matches? Where were they? But how about this? Where are the qualifying matches for this stupid fucking ladder match? They're all on Dynamite. All those matches are on Dynamite. Only the women's matches are sent over uh, to these other uh, platforms. So I understand the point that if this was thrust up on them at the last minute, they this is the best match they had in the can. Oakgan made that point to me earlier. I think that's true. But they put themselves in this position and they decided which matches put on there. They could have thrown John Moxley over there if they really wanted to pop a number. That's not what they want to do. They have to do these matches because they've already put themselves in this position. And so they've decided, eh, nobody will care if we throw this match on Sunday. It's bullshit. If you believe it, you're a mark. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know why you would assume that I would disagree with you just for the sake of doing it. I mean, the, the idea that it's not a demotion going from a million guaranteed viewers to whatever you can manage to draw on your own on bleacherreport.com, where no one has ever expected to see pro wrestling in their life, um, and that's not a demotion somehow, is ludicrous. Um, I would say, uh, if, you're, if you do intend to launder this explanation for why you are um, siloing off the, the women's eliminator tournament matches, I would suggest you don't launder it through uh people who are uh outspoken about not liking the people in the tournament <laughs> just you're not going to get uh the favorable reaction that you want from there so yeah and uh just a couple things that i greatly co-sign with what y'all are saying but here's another aspect about this that uh, that some of this I, I i've said before in private and but some of this is called top of dome why do they think that people are going to have such a big issue with, oh, it's a pay-per-view on a Sunday? Do they think that people are just now getting into wrestling? Like, it was new that AEW was doing their big shows on a Saturday, and that was great. And, like, that was the thing. But that was not the change. Like, the change is not them going to Sunday. The change was already happening when they went from Sundays, which has been traditionally the pay-per-view day outside of, like, major holidays when, like, Starcade would be on Thanksgiving. Like... It would always be that way. So, like, saying, like, you're conditioning your fans, like, if that's the case, you're trying to condition your fans, then each time they do one of these hype segments right before the main event, they should be saying, hey, and remember, we are moving to Sunday for this pay-per-view. That's how you remind people, because those are your viewers that are going to be buying the pay-per-view. And number two, the idea that you're going to retain, like, all your viewership and that your hardcores are going to go with that. Like, that is true that AEW has been has been very fortunate in that the viewership for the most part is able to be flexible across days of the week. Like we saw that with the NBA playoffs and with the major league baseball playoffs that they were able to do the Saturday dynamite, right? Like that was not an issue. Like the viewership was mostly stable there. It's completely different thing when you're going to platforms and when you really have not told people like, is this going to be just a streaming video that's going to be on bleacherreport.com? Is this going to be something that's going to be on bleachreport.com's YouTube page? Is this going to be like on their Instagram? We don't know that. And you can't expect, like, you're trying to condition your fans to this. You're not providing the things to condition your fans towards that. And are you thinking that this is going to reach out to a bigger audience? Like, yes, it's the internet. But when is the last time that bleachreport.com has been truly relevant as anything other than just a slide deck property that Warner Media has tried to offload since they purchased it? It hasn't been. And then lastly, wouldn't you want to protect your one women's draw 
Like Riho, before she even came back, she was a consistent draw. It wasn't a huge draw, but she was someone that always picked up viewers and was something like this. Wouldn't you want to like have that on your property that you derive the vast majority of your revenue through your rights fees? Wouldn't you want to have it on there? Like I get wanting to appease Time Warner and Time Warner wanting to fix this and be like, hey, go to our website here and do this. But you'd want to protect and grow that through your property that you are going to be negotiating in a in less than 24 months, another deal they're going to try to go for 2x or 3x rights fees, you'd want to grow that there, not on this website here. And what this all does is it's all rationalizing. Like at the end of the day, I think all three of us can agree with this was a paper this was a tournament that was thrown together. We've seen how with how they scheduled it, with like the reliance on on both uh Hikarishi and Amy Sakura to take care of half of it. Like they pretty much were like, we need to get this taken care of. Can you all go t- and take care of these things? And this is just another instance of how much of a afterthought this tournament was other than deciding oh we need a oh we haven't really built up anyone for Hikaru Shida, so we need to figure out someone else to do this let's do a tournament yeah so i i agree with the majority of what you're saying i'll, I'll two points that what they i do have to credit the promotion because they are pretty good about uh driving viewers attention forward to the next thing that they're trying to promote so a couple of those 80 yard segment we talked about was like tony going and don't remember folks we are on sunday for revolution so they did mention that um and yeah the 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 thing about the tournament being thrown together like i think for the people that the tournament is important to they were all hands on deck and like i don't think it's any small task or undertaking to you know, uh, fly to Japan and and coordinate and book a tournament and get a venue and get a camera crew and get talent and get crew and putting all this together um, because it's important to you. But the people that are making the the you know decisions for what gets time on the television, it's just not as important to them. I you know we've seen that uh, the way the whole division has been handled. Um, so yeah, you know it's this uh, it, the idea that the Japanese matches needed to ever be on television was. You know, never reasonable. The you know, no fans matches in a small dojo with uh, you know, not professional lighting and not professional cameras. Like you can't put those on TNT. It it'd be unreasonable to do that. Um, but the idea that putting those matches in a little bug window on bleacherreport.com is somehow going to draw a favorable eyebrows to your promotion, I don't know that that's true. The matches I, I I'm sure are gonna be great. But if you're a casual person clicking through and you're like, what is, who are these random Japanese women having a poorly lit match uh, in this dojo on my screen? That's not, I don't, that, that, that doesn't make sense to me as a strategy if you're trying to argue that, oh, no, they're, they're actually putting it on Bleacher Report because they want it to draw eyeballs there. I don't, doesn't, doesn't wash with me, folks. <laughs> oh, I agree. I think we've been clear on this show that, that the strategy with the Japanese matches made sense uh, to all of us. Uh, but at the same time, they're putting Max Caster versus Preston Vance on TV next week. So it's like, now I appreciate that Max Caster has been a push commodity. And so it's like, okay, people might know who he is, but it's, but when you're comparing that to replacing that with Thunder Rosa versus Riho, which you could be putting on that television show, uh, it, you know, just doesn't make a lot of sense. Hey, to me. You can fucking do both if every match isn't 25 minutes long. That that is also uh that that's also all it, that's, and the matches will be better for it. Yes, that's true. All right, the uh listener delete, something that uh we haven't mentioned. Chelsea calls out the first 20 minutes and she makes this great point. 
that relying on Moxley uh, to rally enthusiasm is having diminishing returns. You know, having him come out and cut that white meat babyface promo. Maybe there's just so many times you can do that with no crowd. Yeah, that was that was as long as one of the matches. His promo. Um, I mean, we I've said before. I think we've probably said before. He's better in pre-tapes. He's done a handful of these in-ring promos and stuff that just don't hit the same way. Um, so yeah, I, I I think that's true. You know, he keeps being like the voice of the company or whatever, and it's kind of like okay, I I've heard it. And it like loses authenticity in a way with how much it's happening. Like when he won the title at Revolution last year. Like when he cut the promo, like bleeding with the title, like creating the title, saying, I love this shit. Like that felt real because that probably was real for John Moxley. But I like at a certain point, the authenticity that you have that's not like his short, like down the barrel of the camera at the mysterious Jacksonville construction site promos, it is diminishing returns. And then you have that after a match with someone who really shouldn't be on TV or really in the company, to be quite honest. And it's kind of diminishing in some ways his star appeal in a way like and he didn't say i love this shit if he said i love this shit talking about the exploding <laughs> death matches i'd be like yeah no because i know john moxley does love this shit like that would have been a thing there but yeah no i totally co-sign with what chelsea was saying there if you do want to hear more on uh on his opponent hot young briley we did uh we did this is hot young briley at the beginning of this week's women's tournament uh review show myself and aaron so <laughs> go check that on the patreon yes we did uh, amazingly, the the one delete I put on the notes was Ryan Nemeth, and he did not get deleted by anybody. I, I, like I said, we did cover it a lot on the Patreon. Yes, we did. So the, the show kicked off with John Moxley defeating the Hollywood hunk, hot young Ryan Nemeth, uh, with a paradigm shift. And then the Mox promo, um, he did try to sell this exploding barbed wire death match, uh, explain it a little bit, and talk about why he was so worked up for it. So I, you know, I thought it was successful from that standpoint. Uh, but yeah, it was just like a lot of things, a little too long. We got our first of many videos recapping, uh, the Mox and Omega feud. And then we go back first of many recap videos, not the first of many recapping that particular. feud. <laughs> then we were backstage with Archer and Phoenix. Is that true? Is that how this happened? I feel like that happened way later in the show. Now that I'm looking nope. at this time is right yeah that was early because this was also a segment that i was not very high on i didn't i don't know phoenix is like i've heard him promo in english and he has a certain charm about um you know like doing his doing his best job to speak english and and convey his feelings uh but he just kind of like quietly spoke spanish here and they were i guess trying to do a bit where archer did not understand him uh and it, it just didn't didn't play to me. Yeah, that was the thing. Basically, Phoenix said uh, Archer's the worst partner he's ever had, and so that caused them to uh, get mad at each other and, and brawl a little backstage. Uh, we saw the Young Bucks enter the arena with Mama and Papa Buck. Of course, that would become important later on. They pointed out, you know, this nice truck with with their pictures on it. They did do this exact segment on BTE where they showed the Bucks their truck. I'm wondering if, like, I don't know, are they? Get, is Tony seeing that on BTE and going, "Oh, I have an idea for what we can do. We can have Papa Buck bleed on that." I don't know. It's, there's a curious uh, tension between. It's like when they remake a, a series. Um, what's a good example of this? 
It doesn't happen in Western television, so I'm not going to cite any specific examples. Oh, I, I have one. Uh, the two versions of uh, uh, Legend of Galactic Heroes. Uh, yes. So I haven't seen that, but all my examples were from anime, so I'm sure that's correct. Uh, but yeah, they'll, they'll remake a series and have the exact same scene, but like one will be the BTE version that's like a little handheld camera version and, and, and Mama Buck with a weird energy. And then they'll just like do it all over again, but with a nice TNT camera uh, for the television show. Uh, and it really just the the continuity and the canon is all is all at odds here because now we've seen them show their parents these trucks multiple times and Mama Buck is just thrilled with them. <laughs> uh, next up, Brian Cage and Ricky Starks defeated the Varsity Blondes. Brian Cage pinned uh, Brian Pillman with the drill claw. Uh, and then, yeah, we got the big post-match angle with Darby and Sting uh, that we talked about. Yeah, the match was probably too long, but I just I really love this tag team as, as like a mid card. Uh, the the Varsity Blondes is like a mid card WCWC show tag team. I just enjoy them a lot. Absolutely, would love to see them have this match on a C show. <laughs> yeah, or or I agree with you. If they could have this match in seven minutes or five minutes, uh, you know that's a lot better. Uh, basically, you know the key when you're doing a match like this that doesn't have any real big importance you just get to the good stuff and then you go to the finish it's like very simple we don't need the build-up yeah they, they just have a fixation on oh i want to we're gonna have a really good match here yeah they did they had i think a pretty good match and i do like watching that young team develop and, and kind of get some uh chemistry going um but I, yeah I, I just think it's your a show and i want to i want to get to the meat of what the stars are doing yeah, it's a it's a B show match that they put on on the A show. I think that's I think that's fair. Uh, Tony Schiavone is backstage interviewing uh, Miro, Kip, and Penelope, which was uh, hilariously in the Discord called uh, Thruples Counseling, <laughs> and uh, they're mad that the wedding was ruined. Miro wants uh, Charles to know that he would still welcome him back because uh, Charles did some very good things for Miro while he was his butler. Uh, someone hands Tony Schiavone a note from Orange Cassidy and Chuck asking Miro and Kip to wrestle them at Revolution. Uh, this makes Miro very mad. He stares down the barrel of the camera, says, this is childish. This is why Charles needs to come back to him so he can teach him how to be an adult. <laughs> he chews up the note and spits it at Tony, <laughs> and which I legitimately cackled at. Funniest thing that I think this show has done in a long time. Miro just like, um, his, his first reaction was pick up the note. First, like, go the XOXO, which was always, like, taunting him, thinking it was Cyrillic and saying, did I pronounce that right? Cyrillic? I yeah, probably Cyrill didn't. Cyrillic, yeah. Yeah, hey, for once I pronounced something right on the show, good for me. Uh, and saying that, of course, that it translates to ha-ha, and he's like, ho-ho, ho-ho, and he gets really angry, chews it up, and spits at the camera. Just, like, how can't you love the thruple? Like, it was just a great segment, and... Miro's a star and he wants the best for Charles. Like he is someone that we could all aspire to be. He's just trying to lift up his friends and, you know, his employees. Yeah. Whenever we get to the Miro segments, I'm always like, Oh, you know, this could have been my elite. I did really enjoy this. Uh, for, uh, for whatever reason, I am like very happy. This angle is continuing. Just, I, I just like the dynamic. I like that Miro just wants to be a mentor to Chuck. He knows, he knows Chuck is a <laughs> fail son. He knows that Chuck is, you know, what what chuck is what all of us are uh and he's just like no chuck i'm gonna teach you to be a man i'm gonna mentor you we're gonna, you're gonna have an alpha mindset after i'm done with you uh it just it, it rings true it feels real uh, yeah and and miro 
he just has superstar energy. So I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm still on board. Yeah. The, the one thing that like does make me sad about this whole entire England feud, we never had a single, uh, package that was taped at Miro's mansion with like Miro trying to mentor him like there's a lot of things they left on the table here like can't you imagine how great that would have been and then like this whole entire thing like just because like how funny this is and Miro is just he's just tremendous in this promotion and you know they they left stuff on the table who among us would not want to watch him and Charles and Penelope and Kip like that would have been great content that we missed out on I'm very angry about that right now have we all had a friend like this Oh, oh, that wants to rise. That, want, that wants to to teach me how to be a man. Yeah, I don't think so. I I definitely did in college. Like I had oh, a yeah. that I, that I lifted weights with. <laughs> it's always someone who's like a mega weightlifting guy, isn't it? Well, yeah, Absolutely. that's 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 key element for sure. Yeah, all yeah. we did, all we did was oh, like you lift know. weights together and talk about baseball. <laughs> that, that was it. <laughs> yeah, no, you saying that did bring somebody to mind. Um, just like my my freshman year, but uh, still very fond of him. He did. He left school in sophomore year because his they discovered his father had a second family. Oh wow! Oh okay. Like, oh, that you, took that, a turn. That's too much of an alpha mindset, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. No, uh, you hit the nail on the head there, Ab. Like he definitely is like the guy that you are friends with, and then like after a while, you're like, I don't know if I'm friends with you. Or you're just a very controlling person and wants to have everyone in their image, right? Like mm. that's or what they perceive the image to be. Okay, uh, Mike, this is really something I need to talk more about at therapy more than on this podcast. I think <laughs> I didn't mean to hit is, too is, close is, to is home. This therapy, fuck. <laughs> I am the, I am the last person to be anyone's counselor. Just to be clear. Yeah, I I started lifting weights with this guy. I weighed 120 pounds, and I started lifting weights with this guy. And by the time we left college, I weighed 160 pounds. <laughs> I drank a lot of creatine and uh, protein shakes, and uh, yeah. So creatine not breaking edge. No, absolutely no? not. Okay. No. I mean, I you know, I don't know even the the chemical makeup. I just know it's a big thing in the major league baseball. The creatine controversies. Uh, I mean, creatine basically is ju- just like makes you retain water. It was just like an easy way to gain weight. Um, I needed to put on weight so that I could lift more so that I could, you know, put on muscle. Yeah. Uh, hard to do at 120 pounds. Sure. All right. Got to get got to get that Chonko. You do. Get on that Chonko diet. You do. I would. Yes. Yeah, just like, oh, God, the most disgusting protein shakes. And I would try to drink so many of them to try to gain weight disgusting <laughs> all right uh speaking of disgusting jake hager defeated brandon cutler with a running clothesline i don't know i actually i kind of thought this worked it was fun and it was pretty short so it was good yeah okay cool inner circle uh, attack cutler the bucks made the save they tried to call out jericho and mjf jericho and mjf got on the screen and said no uh we're not coming out there but we beat up papa buck and that's where uh the sick papa buck angle happened <laughs> we did another recap slash hype video for uh jade and shack versus cody and red velvet i i think i've really i really read this uh interview with tony khan but i think he also suggested that shack is the one who brought jade to their attention really that's the way i read this interview he said the day no, that that i mean that, I, I think that would be appropriate in kayfabe for that to be true right maybe but she is atlanta based yeah uh, and I, I just, 
it, she's we, married to a pro athlete, so that would also, you know, could make some yeah, sense. We'd have to throw it to one of our, uh, you know, Instagram deep divers that'll go yeah. six years deep on these people. But uh, certainly she was training, has trained in wrestling. Uh, I, I just don't know the, was that QT Marshall school adjacent or not yeah. at all? Don't know. Uh, Tony, the story Tony told was that the day that Fulham, like, won the game to go back to the premier league or whatever the fuck i don't know anything about soccer uh but he said like a ton of people were calling him like and even including famous people were like calling him and congratulating him and Shaq called him and he was like oh Shaq's calling to congratulate me and Shaq was in actually he had no fucking clue about this it was just like hey man i've been wanting to get into wrestling you know like uh it was funny that rips yeah uh, Hangman Page defeated Isaiah Cassidy with a buckshot lariat, and this was definitely a match. It was good, but it definitely went on too long. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I I thought Isaiah Cassidy has been like a surprisingly good heel in this role, uh, and he showed, I think, a lot of that in this match. Yeah, just the same time. It, it was something with Cassidy that I felt like this was his best performance outside of matches he had with the Bucks so far in this promotion. I thought he was really good here, but he did need to tighten up. After the match, we get Hardy's voice, um, you know, the voice of God saying Paige chose the Dark Order over him. So he's going to hurt every member of the Dark Order. And then he threw Alan Angels through a table. This is, it's like <laughs> when they get an idea for a spot, they're like, oh, let's do that spot again. So they just did that, you know, table bump with Kenta. They're like, oh, we can do the, we can do the table throw with Alan Angel. So is now Matt Hardy in the ward throw? Absolutely. You're, hey, you're, right. the, you're the commissioner, I think. So you you tell us. <laughs> well, Patrick Cosmos is the commissioner. I'm just helping set oh, up right. parameters. Right. My apologies to Patrick. Yes. Uh, how Alan Angels has fallen during COVID. I mean, this guy went from uh, going toe-to-toe 50-50 <laughs> with Kenny Omega to fucking Matt Hardy throwing him through a table. You know why? It's because he, he fell into that role of being the, uh, you know, kicking boy of the Dark Order on the vlogs. It's, it's, I guess I... Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, once you get into that, you know, spot, you're kind of stuck there. The vlogs are real to Tony, I think. I think the vlogs are real to everybody. At least BTE. All right. Alex Marvez goes into a workshop and we see Kenny Omega with just an amazingly cut uh, shirt that he's wearing. <laughs> <clears throat> and uh, he's there. Don Callis is there. Some other guys. And they're just they're making things. Uh, and Don Gallus tells us they're working on the Moxley Extermination Chamber. So we're to believe they are building the cage for the uh, for the death match. I really would have liked for this angle. Remember when John Moxley had that bad match with Brock Lesnar and like for weeks leading up to it, he like went and got a weapon from Terry Funk and from Mick Foley and shit. Yeah, they should have done that with this angle, but it's like Kenny and Don Callis going to like DJ's backyard to get him to... <laughs> It's like, DJ Hyatt, I want you to build me one one wall of the cage of death for our exploding lion mind match. Uh, or invite know. needs to show up and hand him <laughs> light tubes, you know. Yeah, go, go to all these uh, deathmatch legends and get him to contribute some some classic CZW in-ring construction. See what uh, Corporal Robinson has, maybe. I, I mean, there's a lot of ways to kick on this. I just like the fact that since his teal turn, we're getting some really great cocaine energy out of Kenny Omega. And it was like, this was like the, like the perfect encapsulation of it. Like they, they found a way to kind of keep him on TV and him just doing things that are just insane. Like this is a guy who was speaking to kids last week and he might've lost the title. <laughs> like 
it's just insane. And I like to believe that Don Callis is big into Forge and Fire. Like, he seems like someone who would be a knife guy as a knife guy. So I appreciate that. They got to figure out a way to have Onita at this match. They just have to figure it out. Not going to happen. Even, even, even if they booked him and flew him over, he'd stand him up at the, you know, <laughs> 59th minute. That'd be sick. He'd want, he'd want to be put in the match and he'd want to go over. <laughs> they should like, put him over. Make him be a champion. Atushi Onita is going to come to AEW and he'll be the AEW champion. And he's only going to drop it to like Shadow WX. Like, I'm just trying to think of one of his. No, he, he will agree to drop the title to Paul White. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he's the world's yes. largest athlete, man. Yes, yes, yes. And they could go find Dragon Kid and have him do the exploding death match and yeah. actually be under the hood this time. It's going to rule. Uh, next up, we had, um, you know, a, a new place for the for the women's tournament, a semifinal match. Nyla Rose defeated Britt Baker with the Beast Bomb. Big upset here, I thought. I think we all kind of anticipated Britt would win the whole damn thing, and uh, she did not. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like it, this was a good time to elevate Britt to that level. She's been, you know, one of the highlights of the television whenever she's on. Um, and yeah, we, we've seen Sheeta and Rose uh, maybe too much because their last match together wasn't great. Uh, and that was a that was a thrown together rematch uh, from their previous match. Uh, we've seen Sheeta and Rosa. And I, maybe the one other big match, big few that they built with Sheeta was Sheeta and Riho. So really felt like Britt was going to be the one coming out of here. So I guess now the logical conclusion is whoever's coming out of the Japanese side of the bracket is going to win the tournament altogether. Uh, I guess so they can hang around in the States an extra, you know, week or whatever it is. And then wrestle Sheeta on the pay-per-view. I've been, I've been wrong about everything about this tournament so far, but I'm just going to keep going. And I just can only assume now that the point of this is to put Riho over and to put the belt back on Riho. Well, she did move to Jacksonville for this. Yeah. And there is no delicious pasta like Fukuoka. So you, you, you've got to entice Riho, is what I'm saying. But, like, yeah, it makes you wonder if, like, Britt Baker, because they've done all this building and all this rehab, and she's really improved in all facets of being a wrestler to the promos to her really, matches. Really good match here. Probably, the, yeah. my, probably my favorite match on the show. Yeah, so... It's something where you you start to wonder, like, she's someone that they clearly seem like that they always have had plans for, and you're just wondering, like, is it going to come now? Because this would have been, like, the perfect time because her and Sheeta had this feud, and Sheeta's really run through the entire division as possible, as much as possible. So is the last boss really Riho for Hikaru Sheeta here? Like, that's the question that, that, like, I'm asking myself now because it seemed like this was, like, the clear path i felt like is okay now we get brits like big rain coming out of this and i guess that's not the case yeah i got i got shouted down by our good friend thoros uh for saying that you know like are they ever going to go with brit if they won't go with her he, now and he is known to shout he does yeah when <laughs> when thoros comes at you yeah he'll run you down all caps for sure for sure uh you know and thoros said look, it's good to have a woman who can have uh, another feud, you know, that's not for the title, which is true. Obviously, if Riho beats Rosa, that opens up uh, Rosa for, uh, you know, for continuing her feud with Britt Baker. It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. You did this Riho-Serena Deeb thing. I thought you could do a rematch for the NWA title with that. The Britt-Sheeta story makes 100% sense. Britt and 
Yuka Sakazaki made 100% sense, which clearly they're not doing. So it's just like, I don't understand the booking of this tournament really in any way. Yeah, I, uh, it kind of feels like it's going to be Shida versus Ryo Mizunami. Uh, and that doesn't just, that does not feel very hot to me. Um, uh, Meltzer did go out of his way to say, oh, you don't have to quarantine at all coming from Japan. So Yuka Sakazaki would actually be entirely able to fly in and do the final and shit on one day's notice after whatever her last Japanese booking is. So it's the same day. Well, it's the same day, but they're ahead of us. Right. It, it, is this that like 12 versus 12 show yeah. that's supposed to be happening? Is that taped? I thought like the previous one was taped. I don't so. think so because Maki Ito can't make it because of, uh, because of another thing. So they had to change it to an 11 versus 11 match. <laughs> maybe they maybe they hiddenly took Yuka Sakazaki out of it. Who knows? Yeah, I'm 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 just not gonna basically. I was bringing that up to say I'm not certain about anything. But uh, yeah, yeah, true. this this was not going the way that uh, I anticipated, or really any of us. No, I did a another uh, recap slash hype video with the FTR Jurassic Express feud. I, Mike, you pointed this out in the Discord, but yeah, it felt like they just ran completely under. Uh, what they intended with like timing and there's like we gotta put some fucking videos together folks right yeah like that's what i was trying to say my elite like or my delete this felt like a something where like the whole entire episode so it was just kind of thrown together in a way because that's how this promo felt right like it felt like building this up getting the clips of Tolly, and i didn't get a chance to uh really watch this segment because i was setting us up for the live stream but did they even get totally to cut any sort of promo towards this whatsoever no it's a marco stump promo what's the purpose of that when you're not <laughs> but like totally's having his first match since the 80s or like 92 or something yeah that or, seems or, like a cool thing to build to build I'm... up oh, or heroes of wrestling just so no one like adds me the the the, the known like worst pay-per-view of all time heroes of wrestling i i do i you know i don't mind the idea of a video package in general i it can even be like pretty helpful to be like hey here's a reminder of everything that kenny omega and john moxley have done together they've been linked since the beginning of this promotion like that can be pretty useful um you know and they've done really good music videos in this promotion um what i'll say about this is uh you know uh, you you guys were critical i think it was you guys were critical of jungle boy on the mic i think uh and he was speaking here and then when Marco Stunt interrupted him to be like, oh, no, I'm going to bring the fire now. I was like, oh, wow. Marco Stunt just kind of kind of outshone Jungle Boy in this in this segment. <laughs> and that's maybe, maybe not ideal. There's some wild Tully Blanchard matches on Cage Match. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, 2006, Dory Funk Jr. and Mike Graham versus David Flair and Tully Blanchard. 2006. Yeah. What was Dory this? Dory Funk is who I was thinking of when uh, Mike was talking about watching old guys wrestle and being concerned for their health most of the time. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. I, 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 I was I was talking strip about tradition right there. Yeah, there's some, there's some wild matches on here. So, what Tully, was this 2006 on match? Cage match? <laughs> Buddy, he did quite. A, he's done quite a few matches um, since from 2005 through 2007. He did quite a few matches, Damn. but that match was at the fucking Hard Rock Cafe in Orlando, Florida. <laughs> World wrestling <laughs> legends. Oh, we've talked about that Hard Rock Cafe previously on this show. It's I've established probably, canon. I've probably been there. I've definitely been there. Yeah. 
All right. Stay uh, tuned to the Patreon for more Hard Rock <laughs> Cafe adventures. <laughs> I, think right, that's the, I think that's where Anna Nicole Smith died. Oh, yeah. We have talked about no, that. No, no, no she, she died at the Hard Rock Casino and Hotel in Hollywood, Florida, which huh. I have been many times. Okay. Many times. I do not know if I stayed in the room that Anna Nicole Smith died in, though. I don't want to know. SB asked me the other day if, if when we're both vaccinated, can we go to Disney? And I'm like, oh, fuck, I don't know, man. That's <laughs> still seems terrifying. Even if I were vaccinated, it still seems terrifying. That's very funny for his priority. Oh, yeah. That's like the first thing that she's thinking of is going to Disney. <laughs> well, I mean, the first that's thing I'm going to do is look a floor. I'm going to look some floor. Like, I will just do that because i'll be Buddy, all powerful i see a floor right here you can you can lick it yeah right? i gotta tell you there's nothing the preventing Patreon. you from licking a floor right now you're not going to get the covid but not in my house like i'm talking <laughs> about like going a to very, a bar going very public floor also, yes exactly I, i'm pretty sure we've decided it's like airborne now and the whole sanitizing surfaces thing is a waste of time so yeah i get yeah. that up. yeah it's, lick, lick the air you lick the air of a populous area yeah, like just and that's make the, out with another human being. That's really the most dangerous thing you can do. <laughs> the most well, dangerous well, game. <laughs> the most dangerous game <laughs> is tongue kissing. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Uh, Lance Archer defeated Ray Fenix with the blackout in the main event, which we talked about, and that was the end of the show. They they fist bumped uh, to to close out the show. All right, now if you've just been bowled over by our hilarious. Uh, <laughs> digressions and you know my hot uh, women's tournament take and you're just like fuck I gotta hear more of this head over to patreon.com slash everything elite it's been a it's been a wild month over uh, at the everything elite patreon I gotta be honest with you we did we've done too many shows uh, in general this month we've definitely done way too many shows for the shortest month of the year <laughs> well <laughs> yes well, to be fair, one of these shows each week is me 15 minutes recapping the Go Big show. Like, that's not a real show. Like, that's just me talking about That's a real about show, Mike. If, if it's a download, it's a show, Mike. Okay, okay. I'm just saying, like, I'll talk about my main man, Tolga, anyways. Like, he, y'all did see in the promotion that they did for Go Big show that he was spinning around his flaming caber, right? Like, Tolga's the man. Oh, I saw it. Um, yeah, we've done a lot of stuff... Uh, this month, I've started to think if maybe the the real magic is in is doing more of these like short shows than it is like we try to do one big long show every week. I think people just like the more content. Hmm. I don't know. We'll have to think about that. Anyway, this week, Monday, Mike's tea break. Mike, you talked about uh, partnerships. Yeah. And not not like LLCs. No, not about LLCs or S corps or anything like that. I. Uh, earlier this month talking about doing too many shows i sat down and i just kind of had a cup of tea and it was kind of inspired a little bit by matt cushman's vlogs that he does where he just kind of just opines while he's grilling steaks i don't know if you still grill steaks in this but w w what i did this week was i then called the tea break where i talk about partnerships what we should expect out of partnerships a history of international wrestling and partnerships thereof and you know just kind of a i i'm kind of putting together my own theory of wrestling slowly by each of these shows and this was one part of it i talked about ricky dozen for a good 10 minutes i ordered uh ordered some ceremonial matcha tea so i could make some of that real green shit hasn't do come you yet get, do you get, oh so you but do, are you gonna have like the nice uh brush that they use to mix together oh i don't have a brush so no. i don't know it's not called a brush <laughs> but you know what i'm talking about it's how they 
stir yeah. and make matcha. Yeah. I was watching too much, too many anime with uh, fucking delicious looking green tea glasses. And it's like, oh, I got to get that. Just the straight, the pure green matcha. That's pure. my tea talk. All right. Pure talk, green folks. matcha. Unfucking cut matcha. <laughs> uh, late Monday night. Black tar matcha. <laughs> uh, Nate and I came back with a review of the of the women's tournament show that was on YouTube that night. We also talked Hot Young Briley. We talked something else too that I can't remember. We now. talked we talked Landstorm on Blocked Party. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. We did talk about that. <laughs> Something else too. I we didn't yeah. get to the women's tournament until like the twenty-five minute mark. No. Um, so uh, apologies to all the matches I called too long today. <laughs> <laughs> we did light this week, of course, where Mike and I uh, recap dark, preview dynamite, and Nate breaks down all the uh, the vlog content. And of course, yeah, Friday Mike did the go big show. Uh, next week we'll have our. It'll be the first week of March, I believe. I believe Monday is the first day of March. So it is all day long. Sign up. We're going to have a uh, revolution retrospective. We'll look back at the 2020 revolution. I just looked to see what the women's title match was, and it was uh, Nyla Rose versus Chris Statlander. Yeah. Do back any time, maybe. Yeah. And that was the time. Hold on, Mike. Mike, This is that's Patreon content. Remember the match is Patreon content. You can't give it away here. Yep. Sorry. Yeah. No. Oh, that's uh, right. We have to remember the matches later. That's yeah. That, yeah. That, that's all we do is we go. Hey, remember some guys, and we talk about whatever was on the card. <laughs> remember but some the, matches. But then we but we do our previews for the show on the retrospective as well. That's true. So. We we'll also do our our preview for twenty twenty one revolution. We'll do light. I'll definitely be talking about the fucking Sunday night women's tournament thing and the Monday night women's tournament thing. So I'll be talking about that. I think Kara is going to join me for one of those um nate of course if you want to uh sign back up for more content we'll do that uh so yeah we got plenty of stuff coming up um i've got a special guest for a new episode of mixtape club coming in march you're gonna want to sign up in march we'll uh, we'll have the instant reaction for a revolution that'll be live god sunday night okay so also <laughs> uh, patreon.com slash everything elite go sign up three tiers $8 tier gets you the live EE every week. Uh, $5 tier gets you everything else. So uh, Tony Khan also said, it's okay to do this on Sunday because uh, Monday's a holiday. And so everybody will be off work. You're not rushing to get to work. What fucking holiday is it, Tony? For sure, it's not, not a holiday. Okay, it's International Women's Day, which... Uh, okay, can, uh, it is a holiday. I didn't it is a holiday. It's not a holiday. We do not get off work, though, is the is No, the it is thing. not a federal bank holiday. <laughs> no, so I'm not sure of Tony's deal. Uh, he did say they'll be going back to Saturdays because they don't want to compete with the NFL, of course. Uh, but, yeah, so I didn't understand that. But, anyway. Uh, February 28th. What fucking... What does he think it is? I don't know. It is so, Alexander Grand De- Bell's Day. It yeah, is no, I, also... Finisher's Medal Day, Namesake Day, uh, and Daughter and Son's Day. I'm just, I just Googled. Well, this just is Googled. A, a son, a father and son's promotion, but uh, doesn't mean we get the day off. So, uh, also, it is uh, the, it is also maybe Eastern Orthodox has liturgics as well. Uh, it, there is a lot of uh, Christian feasts as well, as long as well as. Teacher's Day in Albania.
Oh, well. Maybe he saw that it's Labor Day in Australia, and he's like, oh, Labor Day. <laughs> I think he thinks it's Memorial Day, but it's not. No. It's just not. Heroes Day in Paraguay. Shout out to our uh, Paraguay listeners. Yes, our Paraguayan heroes. Shout out to them. Okay, Sunday night, women's tournament, Japanese final. We get Aja Kong versus Yuka Sakazaki. U.S. semifinal, Thunder Rosa versus Riho. And then we get the six-woman tag that I, again, don't have the matchup for. <laughs> it is uh, Hikaru Shida, Mei Saruga, uh, Ren Kakakura, uh, Emi Sakura, Maki Ito. And Vinny. is Aja Vinny. Kong on? Vinny. Vinny. Because no, Vinny. Vinny. Aja Kong, they, they paid for her to take a time. A, uh, a count out she's not doing anything else so yeah there we go look at me being the, the oh, joshi person I, listen listen I just, to my new joshi show <laughs> i just said it was aja kong versus yuka and n- none of you uh corrected me it's we're, i was looking at all days it's leo mizunami all right it's it's leo mizunami versus yuka sakazaki of course then on monday 3-1 we'll get nyla versus the winner of riho and thunder rosa uh then next week on dynamite the crossroads. See you at the crossroads. We've got, the, I mean, the big match: Cody and Red Velvet versus Shaq and Jade Cargill. That's happening next week on Dynamite, folks. Do we think they should have uh, waited to have Paul White be a surprise? This was a topic. <laughs> I mean, uh, so I, I think Jade Cargill wins that match. That's mm-hmm. my guess. Uh, and then you could have, you know, Paul White come in and choke slam Cody. Because that's how you debut in this promotion is by attacking Cody, right? Yeah, naturally. I mean, like, people that's... would people would freak out. Mm-hmm. I yeah, mean, if they'd done it as a surprise instead, yeah. or announce yeah. him as like the special referee, and then partway through he uh, he turns on Cody and attacks him. Like there's, but like number step one is you have to attack Cody Rhodes. Like that's step one if you are coming to this promotion and he's already fucking up. Yeah, probably would have done it as a surprise because. You know, you could say, well, they announced it hoping to like goose the ratings tonight, but then he didn't show like he wasn't there. So like, what, <laughs> yeah. what was the point of that? It, it, it wasn't there and they teased news, but the news was not news at all. Uh, so they got it out in the first 20 seconds of the show. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, Just, you know, it, it did seem like more of a, you know, brand equity thing than a pro wrestling kind of thing where they're like, oh, no, AEW is the place to be. We signed this you know crossover wrestling star that people outside of wrestling will have heard of so that's probably why they announced it rather than have it be an angle you, you know we should do a test here or at least i'm gonna do a test here i'm gonna check to see if mama spears knows who the big show is to see oh, she, she okay. actually, i think i think she will i don't think All my right. parents would so so nate thinks that mama spears knows who the big show is maybe yes. you sound I, like you are pretty positive about that as well i think she does yeah all right, so I'll report back to see the I mean, crossover appeal. Mama Spears loves vaping. Uh, the Big Show loves vaping. It just, <laughs> Mama it Spears only makes does sense. not love vaping. Not at <laughs> no. all. You can, Mama Spears loves Destiny 2, the game. <laughs> Mama Spears loves big guys in diapers and sashes. <laughs> <laughs> Celebrating that they are the New Year's baby, a joke that was only really funny on The Critic. <laughs> yeah, very good. Uh, FTR and Tully Blanchard versus Jurassic Express. The women's title eliminator final, which will be Nyla or Riho or Rosa versus Yuka Sakazaki or Ryo Mizunami. Uh, the Dark Order versus Matt Hardy. Um, party. Private party. Private party. <laughs> yes. Uh, the sequel has just kicked in for AB. 
No, I haven't taken it yet. So that's the that's the real problem. And in the ladder match qualifier, uh, ten versus Max Caster. Yeah, it's like too much shit. It's like okay, the Cody <laughs> the Cody and Red Velvet Shag J Cargo match should get plenty of time, right? Like, I mean, that's it's gonna be a, a scary... spectacle, but it should yeah, get it's time. It's a spectacle, but I don't know if that's a spectacle that it, it, you're going to be asking a lot of Jade Cargill to do that. Yeah, I hope it doesn't get very much time, to be honest. I hope because the longer it goes, the more opportunity for disaster. Right. Yeah, but, yeah. but Cody's going to have shortcut ideas. They're going to do a bunch of <laughs> overbooking. Yeah. Yeah. Did so. you think that we're going to see the, uh, what, what was Big Show's punch? The WMD, oh. the weapon of mass destruction out of Shaq? That was so fucking bad. I hate yeah. it so much. Just do a choke slam, man, like every other big guy. Uh, okay, that's the show. Uh, that'll be the show next week, rather. And then, of course, Revolution. Make sure you listen to that. You go join the Patreon, listen to our Revolution preview. That's where it'll be. Um, and then March 15th, AW Dark Elevation premieres. Elevation. That's right. <laughs> Elevation. It's eleven thirty. Yeah, yeah. Like remember that? Yeah. Oh no, I, of course I remember that. How could we not remember it? It was on all of our iPods. <laughs> yeah. Like wasn't there like a lawsuit against Apple and YouTube about putting on that album on people's iPods without like their authorization or consent? Yeah, yeah it was Probably. Like, God, the, the 2000s were weird. I saw this Apple ad the other day that was like, the whole point of the ad was people shouldn't, nobody should get to see your shit. Like your shit is private. Yeah. Yeah. That's the the niche that Apple is carving out is, no, we actually care about your privacy, which is, I think, good. But they they sell our shit. It's, that's insane. No, they, they, they're, they have uh, considerably better privacy controls than the other tech giants, you know, namely... Facebook, Google, Microsoft. Okay, but they definitely have uh, an agreement with whatever arm of the federal government where they will give your shit up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, they did. No, for a time, I know they had, they would refuse to unlock phones for the FBI and shit. Uh, I think the FBI developed their own tool. But yeah, no, I'm I'm not speaking about, uh, you know, uh, 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 federal subpoenas or whatever. I'm talking about, the ability to control what of your information they sell off to advertisers. Well, I I don't believe it. Is what I'm saying. That's fine. I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm sure you're right. <laughs> I just assume if I use a device that I might as I might as well be doing it all publicly. That assumption works against your right to privacy. By the way, I know, I know. So you should not make that assumption. You should presume that you have a, pri- a right to privacy. And then you're more likely to, to be found to have one. Oh, I still do plenty of shit that, you know, if everybody found out about it, it'd be Yeah, don't, don't, don't go down this road. <laughs> yeah, so, l- 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 let's cut this off here, boss. <laughs> okay, sounds good. You guys got anything else? Uh, oh, no. of course I do, but I think we have gone long enough, and we don't right. need more of my existential breakdowns on air. I'll post my weird shit over at Everything AEW <laughs> on Twitter or at Aaron Like the Car. Uh, Nate will continue to post his at Epitasis. And Mike will post his weird shit at Fuji Heya. All my shit is normal. Ah, not your tents, huh? Huh? <laughs> ah, you got me. <laughs> weird subscribe, tents. Subscribe to the podcast. Give us a five-star rating. Give us a review. Uh, but most importantly, head over to patreon.com slash everything elite and 
Put in your damn credit card number. They're not going to tell us what it is. We won't know. <laughs> Only Patreon will know. <laughs> and if you and if we get to 100, then I'll drive to Louisville, Kentucky, and get punched in the neck and, and cut for our patron. All right. I'm fine. That sounds good. <laughs> well, well, I because of the, the Bentley bet agreement, which is that while the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame ballot is out, I'm not allowed to, con- I'm not allowed to comment on it. I broke it because Case Lowe tricked me. Yeah, right. I is, owe is this you. something that AAW light listeners would know what's happening right now? No, this is established canon. Okay. Like the, the, yeah. this is what the third year of the bet at this point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it took th- frankly, th- Mike. I would love to have company. So <laughs> <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> All right, signing off for Mike for Nate. I'm Aaron. We'll see you next time. <laughs>